is Bean to Barstool, a podcast that looks at the intersections of craft beer and craft chocolate. My name is David Nelson. I'm a professional beer writer and an advanced Cicerone and the creator and host of this show. The music for this episode is by my dear friend, indie folk musician Anna P.S. You can find out more about Anna's music in the show notes or at her website, annapsmusic.com. You can find links and information about our guests in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. Today we're doing something a little different. This is going to be an unscripted show. I know, I know. Normally I script these very, very carefully, but I did not have time to write a script. I just got back from Denver, Colorado for Great American Beer Festival Week, which involves the Great American Beer Festival, the Denver Rare Beer Tasting, the Porch Drinking 10th Anniversary Festival, and a whole bunch of other stuff that I did while I was out there. So I thought I would just give some thoughts from the week, some favorite beers and favorite experiences. So first off, let's just get started with some great chocolate beers. One of the ones I was excited before I headed out to Denver was from Radiant Beer Company in California. I was not really very familiar with them, but they definitely made an impression this week. A couple beers I did not try actually won at the Great American Beer Festival, which is our largest and most prestigious uh, beer competition here in the U.S. They won a medal for one of their hazy IPAs, and then they also won the kind of unofficial Alpha King competition, which is a competition just between the brewers themselves to come up with the best IPA at GABF. So they made a big impression with those. But I was most excited about their chocolate beers. And the very first beer that I tasted on the festival floor was Comfort Blanket. Comfort Blanket is an imperial stout aged 18 months in 17-year-old Wild Turkey Master's Keep barrels and 8-year-old Elijah Craig bourbon barrels, and then conditioned on Bolivian Atenez Wild Harvest Cacao Nibs from Chocolate Alchemy, Texas pecans and Vermont maple syrup. And I know that sounds like a lot going on. This was actually in a good way, a little simpler than that sounds. It was a really beautiful, straightforward, indulgent imperial stout. Really, the overall impression was of chocolate covered raisins, but you had this nice bourbon sweetness behind it. Overall, the sip was sweet, but structured. Uh, I talked with their director of brewing, Andrew Bell, before the festival, and he was talking about this particular origin, how, how it has a surprisingly straightforward chocolate and caramel presentation, despite being a wild harvest. Uh, and he really felt like those notes played well with the maple syrup and pecans, and I think that he was definitely correct. I was excited to see my friends from Seedstock Brewing uh, at the festival. Seedstock is a really excellent Denver brewery. I had traveled out to Denver last fall to do a story on them and was excited to catch up with them. They had a couple of excellent beers. One was just a absolutely perfect Mexican lager. But they also had a beer called Lights Out Mocha Stout, which was a standard strength stout brewed with cacao nibs. Uh, they used Ghana from Cho, pretty standard brewing cacao, and coffee as well. This was so, so good. So many coffee beers, chocolate beers are high alcohol 
kind of indulgent dessert beers. This was relatively light bodied, nice and dry, had a nice roast from the chocolate, nutty dry coffee, really excellent and very drinkable, which is not always a word that I apply to chocolate beers. I love chocolate beers, but sometimes they're more sipping beers. And this was really, really lovely. I could see enjoying a nice full glass of this. Another beer that fit that same description was from Cerveceria Colorado, their uh, Posolito Lindo, which is a porter uh, brewed with lactose, unfermented cocoa nibs, cocoa husks, and nixtamalized corn from Cultura Chocolate. Cultura Chocolate is a Mexican-American-owned bean-to-bar chocolate maker in Denver. So they sourced these unfermented cocoa nibs and cocoa husks and the uh, nixtamalized corn from them. And the beer was just absolutely lovely. It had a nice roasty, nutty coffee presentation. It was light-bodied, a little kiss of sweetness, a little bit of subtle roast acidity, and just some earthiness underneath it. Very, very drinkable. I had this at the festival, and then on Saturday night, uh, Cerveceria Colorado hosts the Great Mexican Beer Fiesta every year, where they bring up some craft breweries from Mexico and do collaborations with them, and then do a whole street festival around it. And I drank this beer all evening at that festival. It was absolutely excellent. A few unusual beers I tried on the festival floor. Marble Brewing had a carrot and turmeric saison that was just beautiful. I was out in Denver to cover the festival for porchdrinking.com. So all of the porch drinking writers were walking around uh, individually. And then we had our Slack channel up. So we were sending each other recommendations and favorite beers. And several other writers had commented on this one. So I checked it out. It had this nice, really, really subtle carrot sweetness. But you wouldn't know that it was carrot if you didn't know that was in the beer. A little bit of viburnum spice, uh, maybe a bit of chamomile. Very, very dry, but uh, earthy and just really, really fascinating. Not a beer that I would have expected by any means, but really, really enjoyed it. Another funky beer that I tried was from Two Roads. Uh, Two Roads has an interesting spontaneous fermentation program, and they had two Lambic-inspired beers there, one with plum and one with elderflower. Both were unique. I really liked the elderflower. Uh, Moderate acidity, a little bit of earthy funk to it, and then this nice floral spice from the elderflower uh, that was really, really nice. And then also left-hand St. Vrain Triple. Triple is a style that I don't always trust from American breweries. I feel like a lot of breweries don't really know how to brew the style correctly. So when I find an excellent example, I'm always excited. And I knew that Left Hand would probably be able to pull this off. So I checked it out. It is a lightly spiced triple. And I put into our Slack channel that I knew this wasn't a sexy pick, but it was damn near perfect. And I was really excited to be vindicated at the award ceremony because they got a bronze medal in the Belgian-style strong specialty ale category. The beer is robust but really light on its feet, some notes of pear and banana, uh, and then some nice phenolic spice in the background. Really, really enjoyable. Maybe my highlight of the entire week was a beer and chocolate pairing that I got to lead at Lady Justice Brewing on Thursday, 
Lady Justice is a super cool brewery out in Denver. They are woman-owned, queer-owned, and really invest in their community and in marginalized groups. A really big fan of what they're doing, and I've written a couple articles about them. So uh, we put together a beer and chocolate pairing, four of their beers, and four bean-to-bar chocolates. We had a great turnout, really invested group. We did four pairings. Uh, We did their Sunday Best Hazy Pale Ale with Bayani Orange Zest 70%. That was really good and kind of surprising for people who weren't used to pairing with something like a Hazy Pale Ale. Probably the highlight pairing and consistently the favorite when I polled the group afterward was Have You Heard the Buzz Bach with Omnom Black and Burnt Barley. Have You Heard the Buzz is a a German Bach. It's a strong, darker lager style. In this case, brewed with peach and vanilla black tea and bourbon barrel-aged honey malt. Despite that sounding like a lot, all of those ingredients are actually really subtle in the beer, and it's a little tough to pick them out. I knew that going in, and so I picked this bar that has a really, really bold caramel profile to it because I felt like that caramel would pull out the peach and the vanilla and it definitely did really made the beer just pop Uh, and this was also the most popular bar for everyone it's obviously visual visually striking if you've ever seen it before it is a white chocolate that is solid black Uh, but also the flavor profile is completely unexpected it's like almost burnt caramel corn but you can also taste the Carafa 3 brewing malts that they use in the bar Uh, This was really, really popular with everybody. Then we did their Cerveza Bruja Pumpkin Ale with Latitude Dark Milk. That's just an indulgent, luxurious pairing. Not complicated, but really, really good. And then finally, at the end, they tapped a barrel of a bourbon barrel-aged, or I'm sorry, rye barrel-aged rye porter. So this is a porter brewed with rye and then aged in Law's rye whiskey barrels for six months. The beer was really, really cool, but what was exciting was that this was the very first time it was being poured. So the attendees to the event were tasting it for the first time, and they actually got to see the barrel drilled and tapped. We uh, filled the the glasses straight from the barrel so it was still and uh, room temperature. So people got to see what the beer would be like, kind of not quite to the completion of the process. It wasn't carbonated, wasn't chilled. Uh, and we paired that with Cantu's Maple and Mara's Florida Cell Bar, which is just a really beautiful and luxurious bar with a wonderful story behind it. So that was a lot of fun. While I was there, Betsy Lay, the one of the co-founders and former brewer at Lady Justice, had saved a beer and a bar for me from a collaboration she did earlier in the year. They did a collaboration with Cerebral, another esteemed Denver brewery. The beer is unconfirmed details. This is a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout with coconut and Ecuadorian cacao from Miet at Chocolat, a, a chocolate maker just down the street from Lady Justice and Cerebral. They are not technically bean to bar, but they do source their cacao uh, traceably from South America. And the beer was really, really lovely. It had this rich caramel chocolate with subtle coconut, uh, rich dark chocolate kind of poured over sweet shredded coconut. That's the description that I wrote down. What's also cool about this collaboration, though, is that after they used this Ecuadorian cacao in the beer, they pulled it back out, 
dried it out, and then made a bar from it. So I could taste the beer and the bar together. The beer was really cool. It has a lovely mold to it. It was a perfectly round bar, like a like a perfect circle with this nice rippling on the top. Um, really tasted kind of straight ahead chocolatey, cocoa powder, brownie. You did get some oak from the barrel aging and a touch of cherry, probably a combination of the cacao origin and the bourbon as well. Just fascinating to get to taste these next to each other. So that was really exciting. While I was out at the festival, I made sure to take some time to stop in at some other breweries in Denver. I went to Jagged Mountain, had a flight of beers that were all very good, a couple of fresh hop ales. Possibly my favorite from them was their Be Cool Honey Bunny. This was a wit beer with orange peel and orange blossom honey. Had this really beautiful minerality on the nose and then just this little like whisper of sweetness. Really dry but peppery. Uh, absolutely loved this beer and something that I could enjoy from spring through fall, I think, if it were readily available. They also had a beer with cacao. I did not get the uh, source from them, how they actually sourced the cacao, but I do know that it was Ugandan. Um, it, this was a white stout uh, called This Beer Really Ties the Room Together, 6% alcohol with the cacao, coffee, and lactose. Smelled a lot like some of the pale coffee beers that we get here in Ohio. The lactose is subtle. There's this impression of very quiet vanilla. The cacao and the coffee are restrained. Very, very good. The first night I was in Denver, I met up with my friend Joel, who runs the Brewery Travels podcast. You should definitely check out his podcast. He has guests on from different cities around the country and then ask them questions about their city. So you kind of get a, a city guide to the beer scene in all sorts of different places around the U.S. So definitely check out Brewery Travels. We went to our mutual friend brewing, had a whole flight of beers that were pretty good. My favorite, though, was a Cezanne called Tristero. This was a Cezanne fermented with Britannomyces yeast, a wild yeast uh, family that generally leaves some pretty unexpected flavors in the finished beer. This had a subtle lemon drop acidity to it with more of like a floral funkiness, almost attic-like aromas is what I wrote down. It was really, really good, and it ended up winning... The gold medal in the Brett Beer category a few days later at the Great American Beer Festival. So I was glad to get to taste that before it won. And then my last day in the city, I went down to Wagwan Brewing. Wagwan has a fascinating story behind it. The founder is from Jamaica, but also has South Indian heritage. And then their head brewer has some Thai heritage. And they incorporate all three of those cultural backgrounds into their beer. So they use a lot of fruits and spices from those different culinary traditions. One of the beers that I really, really enjoyed from them was Peach Please. This was a Belgian Golden Strong Ale brewed with peaches and cardamom. And it was really enjoyable. It was a bright, sunny day. And despite this being about 8.5% alcohol, it's a beer that's pretty light on its feet. And the flavors felt right to the day. It has this little impression of sweetness, but it's actually quite dry, well attenuated. Some nice, pleasant spice notes to it. 
almost allspice along with the cardamom, but it's not hot or nosy with those spices. The peach is subtle. Really, really enjoyed this one, and I think that the brewery has a great story behind it, so I will probably be looking to do a story on them sometime in the future. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Getting a Cicerone certification is an amazing way to raise your beer knowledge and can be a game changer for your beer career. But how are you supposed to find the time to prep and how are you supposed to know exactly what to study? Don't sweat because the Beer Scholar has you covered. Beer Scholar is a sponsor of Bean to Barstool, but I can tell you from personal experience years before I was doing this podcast how helpful the Beer Scholar study guides are. They offer efficient online courses for levels one and two that cover everything you need to know, tips and tricks for how to pass the exams, and include live weekly Zooms to taste and discuss classic beer styles together. They even have a new coaching program for the level three advanced Cicerone exam. I used the Beer Scholar Study Guide to pass my Level 2 exam many years ago. I wish the Level 3 had been around when I took that exam. I had to do it on my own. Wish their study guides had been available for that at the time. The vast majority of certified Cicerones in the world today have used Beer Scholar to help achieve the goal of passing that exam. If you are ready to take your beer career to the next level, visit thebeerscholar.com and check out their online courses. I made a goal for myself to try every single non-alcoholic beer at the Great American Beer Festival. I think I made it through all of them. I might have missed a couple, but I was really impressed with Syria. They are a new, or at least new to me, non-alcoholic maker that I had never tried before. They had a wit beer and an IPA. Really enjoyed both of those. My surprise favorite was a Peach Goza from Partake. I actually had this one at the Porch Drinking 10th Anniversary Festival earlier in the week, but it was also available at GABF. Sour beer styles and fruited sour beer styles in particular tend to do really well in the non-alcoholic space because the acidity and the fruit masks a little of what is missing with the non-standard fermentation. This had some understated peach. It was dry, light, crisp. The acidity was fairly low, very, very low salt. I didn't really pick up much of the salt. That's generally present in a Goza, but this was nice and restrained with that. Uh, I really, really liked this. It's definitely something that I would get again. One of my favorite non-alcoholic beers is Sam Adams' Just the Haze. It's a hazy IPA, uh, less than half a percent alcohol, and it probably comes the closest of any non-alcoholic hazy IPA to actually matching a standard fermentation hazy. I had this at the Boston Beer and Dogfish Head Media Brunch on Friday, had a chance to talk a little bit with Jim Cook, the founder of Sam Adams, asked him if they're going to be expanding their non-alcoholic lineup. This is the only one they do right now. And he said, yes, didn't give me any definite information on when or what styles that would include, but we can look forward to more non-alcoholic beers from Sam Adams. Just the Haze ended up uh, meddling in the non-alcoholic beer category at the GABF Awards. Definitely looking forward to more non-alcoholic offerings from them. Let's get back to a couple chocolate beers. At GABF, I had Corporate Ladders Champarado and Purchase Order 002. 
Both of these are made with a blend of Ugandan and Haitian cacao from Ethereal Confections. Champarado is an imperial stout with those cacao nibs, cayenne pepper, cinnamon, agave, vanilla, and marshmallow. The cayenne pepper was really far forward in that blend. I felt that it was a little too spicy, but one of the other writers with me absolutely loved it. So I guess it just depends on your preference for that chili heat. My favorite of those was the Purchase Order 002. This is an imperial stout made with those Haitian and Ugandan cacao nibs from Ethereal Confections, and that's it. It's just kind of a straight-ahead chocolate imperial stout, and they really nail the concept without leaning on other ingredients. It's got this chocolate syrup with maybe just a hint of maple. I'm not sure exactly where that was coming from, but... Really, really enjoyed this and kind of proves that you don't have to add a whole bunch of other stuff to these chocolate beers if you're working with good nibs and know how to brew the base beer well. So really, really enjoyed that one. At the Denver Rare Beer Tasting, which is exactly what it sounds like, it's this amazing collection of invited breweries who have brought the rarest beers they have in-house. And so it's this amazing chance to taste beers you'll never taste again. And the beers are being poured by owners or brewers or other employees of the brewery. So you're getting a chance to talk directly to them and ask them questions. The whole thing is a fundraiser for Pints for Prostates, which is raising money for both awareness and uh, research around prostate cancer. The list of beers for the festival is just ridiculous. You can throw a dart and land on a beer that you'll never get to taste again. So you just have to pick a few to really enjoy. And I had two that were both German chocolate cake inspired and were really, really good. One was from Verboten Brewing. They had a beer called Not a Speck of Light German Chocolate. This was an imperial stout made with Ghana and Fiji cacao husks from Nuance Chocolate in Fort Collins, Colorado. This had a nice, rich chocolate and coconut presentation, but what was great was that it was still fairly dry and had a nice dry roast at the back end that kind of kept that sweetness from getting out of hand without having to employ too much hop bitterness. Another beer with the same concept was from Radiant Beer, which we talked about earlier. This was called Germany by Way of Texas. Apparently... Uh, German chocolate cake, I knew it wasn't from Germany, but apparently it was actually originated in Texas, which I did not know. This was actually a blend of two different imperial stouts. One was aged in a 17-year-old Woodford Reserve Master's Collection Very Fine Rare Barrel, and the other a Thomas H. Handy Sazerac Rye Whiskey Barrel from Buffalo Trace's Antique Collection. The blend was then conditioned on Fijian Rocky Rocky Cacao Nibs, Texas Hill Country pecans, PNG vanilla beans, and coconut. Whole lot going on there, and it was super indulgent. The pecans kind of hide right behind the coconut. The beer similarly has a dry roast that keeps the richness in check. This was 13.9% alcohol, but never got hot or solventy, indulgent, but just really, really lovely. When I'm not drinking these big dessert beers, I'm a huge Vienna Lager fan. I think it's a really elegant but still highly drinkable style. So I made a goal of trying as many Vienna Lagers at the festival as I could. My favorites ended up being from Wibby and Wayfinder, which was not a surprise, and also Bonesaw, which was a surprise. Wibby and Wayfinder have both won awards 
for their Vienna lagers and other beers. Bonesaw was completely new to me, and I was really impressed with their Vienna lager. Another Vienna lager-inspired beer, Vienna lager-adjacent, is Sam Adams Boston Lager, which has been around for almost 40 years and is a foundational beer for American craft brewing. I would say it doesn't hew too close to traditional Vienna lager, but at the Boston Beer and Dogfish Head Media Brunch, we got the chance to try what they're calling Boston Lager Remastered. It is a updated recipe for Boston Lager. It is drier, a little bit toastier than the original Boston Lager, and I really, really love it. I don't reach for Boston Lager hardly ever, not because it's a bad beer, but just not something that I'm generally going for. I will be buying uh, this remastered version once it is out because it is uh, much, much closer, I would say, to a classic Vienna Lager. Really, really nice. Also got the chance to try a 2011 blend of Utopias, their rarest beer and one of the rarest beers in the country. It was super, super boozy. Not sure it's something I would want to be sipping too often, but it was cool to get the chance to taste it. The blend had threads from the original blend of Utopias, all the way from like 28 years ago. So it was cool to get to taste that. Speaking of aged beers, at the Denver Rare Beer Tasting, I got to taste Avery's Mephistopheles Stout from a 2010 bottle. This is a bruising 15.9% ABV Imperial Stout that is now 12 years old. And the years have been kind to it. Uh, It had this full pine bitterness still from the hops, even after a dozen years, but it had come down just enough to where it was not abrasive or overly aggressive. It had just a little bit of oxidation that lent just a touch of sherry-like notes to it, maybe more port-like, little bit of licorice from some of the dark malt, touch of sweetness, a little bit of baker's chocolate and espresso on the finish. This is a relatively simple beer in concept, but in execution was just absolutely fascinating. Another really unique beer and one that I, I definitely wanted to try, but I was concerned about whether or not they'd be able to pull it off. Dogfish Head was at the Denver Rare Beer Tasting, and they were pouring a variant of their Palo Santo Marin, which is a really strong brown ale aged in South American Palo Santo wood. In this case, it had also been aged in Lafroy Scotch barrels, and I was concerned with the Scotch and the Palo Santo coming together if this was just going to be too much, but it was beautifully blended. You got a nice contrast of oak and peat from the wood and the scotch. Little bit of sweetness that kind of tempers the licorice and juniper notes from those. Really, really enjoyed this. This was one of my favorites of the entire Denver Rare Beer tasting. And then my last favorite, I did not try many IPAs. I generally don't at these festivals, not because IPAs aren't potentially beautiful when they're brewed well, but they're everywhere. So I generally seek out other beers. But I did try Denver Beer Company's Digital Snow Day, which is a spruce tip IPA, and it ended up being probably a top five beer for me from the festival. It tastes like if you candied pine needles and orange peel together. So you get some bitterness, some sweetness, and then those those candied notes from the, the spruce and the orange from the hops. Uh, absolutely lovely. I could see really enjoying this on a snow day when the flakes are falling outside. Overall, I had an amazing week at 
GABF and all of its associated external events. It was exhausting. I'm not sure I've actually fully recovered from it yet, but it was definitely worth it, and I'm already looking forward to next year. I was privileged to have the opportunity to be covering the festival for Porch Drinking, so I'm always grateful to them. And congratulations to Porch Drinking on their 10th anniversary. Looking forward to leading another beer and chocolate pairing with Lady Justice next year. So if you are considering going out for GABF next year, definitely keep an eye out for that announcement. You won't want to miss that pairing. I do have a virtual tasting coming up with BelgianStyleAles.com. You can go to BelgianStyleAles.com and their events page. On November 12th, we're doing a tasting of Belgian beer, six different Belgian beers. I think it's $39.95. That's for six full bottles, and you can share that ticket between as many people as you'll have on one screen who want to split that beer. So if you have six people, you can split that $39.95 ticket six ways. Also, uh, you can check out beantobarstool.com right now. Go to the store and order my new beer and chocolate pairing zine. Very excited to have finished that up this summer, and that is now available, so you can order that. It has a bunch of style-by-style guidelines for different beer styles to pair with craft chocolate. Also has information on how to conduct a pairing why beer and chocolate work together and how to make them work together well, how to host a pairing at home for friends, all sorts of fun stuff in there. So check that out at beantobarstool.com. Thank you all so much for listening today. Hope you enjoyed this unscripted episode of Bean to Barstool. We'll be back to our normal format in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. Cheers, everyone.